Amen. Amen. I want to also point out just quickly, if you are a mom in the room today on your way out, Aaron has a beautiful table set up with a candle burning. Did you notice it smelled good when you walked in today? Come on. We had a mom set that up. That's, that's what happened there. That was not Jerome or I, I'll tell you that. So on your way out, there's a gift for you. We just want to say that we love you. We honor you today. And we're so grateful uh, that you are here. We probably have a few more if uh, your spouse or mom is not here today, but you want to bless them with that. Uh, please feel free to do that. If your uh, mom or spouse is out serving in kids, make sure we get one to them as well. I also want to say, if you would like a better picture than your long-arm selfie of your family, uh, Danny was out taking photos as well, and I'm sure she can still get your photo after church, so you can meet her outside. And uh, Danny, wave your hand. There you go. So find her out there, and she'll take a good picture of you, and uh, there's normally even somebody around who's willing to make your kids laugh and smile and act like they love you. So it's going to be a great afternoon. But let me say just once again to all the moms in the room, thank you. I also recognize that some of you, as you sit here, as you watch online, uh, maybe have lost a mom recently who maybe came from a broken home and didn't know your mom, or I don't know the situation. Or maybe you would love to be a mom. That hasn't happened yet. I just want to say that we recognize you as well. And so one of the things that uh, we like to do on Mother's Day is celebrate the moms. But also just say that we celebrate all the women that make up Redeemer City Church and our extended family. We are so grateful for every single one of you. Uh, and I joke, but quite literally, uh, we could not be here without you. And while that seems like a silly thing to laugh at, uh, we live in a culture that is confused. That is confused. And so we want to just say that we do love you and are grateful for you. And we are not confused about just how awesome it is for you to be with us. So let's let's all just say thank you to the ladies in the room. Can we can we put our hands together? Love that. I want to put a statement on the screen for you as we start. Beth Allison Barr wrote this statement, and I think she's right. She said this to change the lives of women. We first have to change the ideas about women. I think that's true for a lot of different reasons. Some of them obvious in our world that we find ourselves. Some of them Things we have to think through as a church community that we have not thought through for many decades. That is not my goal today, but I do think that is true. What I want to do today is what the message I believe God has given me to pass on to those of you who are moms today. And honestly, to all of the women today and also to the guys in the room today or watching online, is very simply this statement. God's got your back. What do I mean by that? God's got your back. God isn't a theory. God isn't a crutch. God is active. God is moving on your behalf. The Bible says the Spirit of God runs to and fro throughout all the earth. The Bible says even the creation groans for the Spirit, groans for the coming of Jesus. 
God is working and God's got your back. We could go to scriptures like in Romans where it says that God is working all things together for good to them that love him. But we live in a world where the sine qua non is work. The highest good is work. Where the culture of perpetual work is our culture's highest value. And yet, perhaps very acutely, moms know the reality of what the poet Conrad Weiss said about following Jesus in our particular world. He said this, we need a confidence in the fragmentariness of life. It would be wonderful if we could order our lives and find them to be simple because we made great plans. But how many of you know that all it takes is a phone call? All it takes is a diagnosis. All it takes is a circumstance to change. And the song that we sang, you, God, are my living hope, right? Like that was the statement. You're my what? Living hope. You're not my theoretical hope. You're not my religious crutch of hope that I know isn't real, but I'm going to lean on it because it makes me feel better. No, no, we have living hope. And so what I want to say to you today is this, and it'll be on the screen, and I want to invite you to meditate on it. You are not God. And hear me today. You do not have to be. You do not have to be. This is true whether you feel intimately close to the Lord today or whether you feel extremely far from him today. The creature creator confession is that it's you are God and we are not. And there are incredible pressures that are put on every human being, but especially a mom to be more than God has called you to be. And I want to invite you to think through, to pray through, to sit with the way that God interacted with his people from the beginning of time. I want to go to a couple Old Testament stories and look at how God invited his people to live in his economy. Does that make sense? We live in a certain economy and we are told that it's perpetual work that will get you what you want, but it's left how many of us bankrupt. And so I want to go to Isaiah chapter 30 and just encourage you today uh, with some truth that can wash over your soul. But in, in Isaiah chapter 30, the people of Israel are not walking with God. As a matter of fact, they are far from God. They are doing their own thing and they are following their own plans and they are rejecting his word. And in Isaiah 30 verse 1, we're described this in clear detail about what God thinks about that. Here's what he says. He says, ah, stubborn children. Do any moms have some stubborn children in the room? They're like, I'm not saying that. It's going to be a happy day today. Stubborn children declares the Lord. 
listen to this, who carry out a plan, who carry out a plan, look at this next phrase, but not mine, but not mine. You see, a lot of us throw that Jeremiah 29, 11 on a, uh, on a mug or on a shirt or on a bag, right? Normally in the Old Testament, when God says stuff like that, it's because people aren't doing it. And this is no different in Isaiah 30. Stubborn children declares the Lord. You are carrying out a plan, but that plan isn't my plan. And who make an alliance, but not of my spirit, that they may add to sin. It would be tempting to think, based on that verse by itself, that God is calling his people to change their activity. We could easily deduce from that stubborn child, when I have a stubborn child, when my wife has a stubborn child, we expect changes in activity. Can I get an amen in church today? You know that's a bait and switch, so you're just going to chuckle and you're not going to say it. You're like, he's going somewhere. It would be tempting to think that, though. And honestly, many of us grew up in ways that that would be, in fact, the sermon that would follow. Here's the 27 things you need to do, mom, to get yourself right and to look like the Proverbs 31 woman, because she was a baller. She was in the city. She was at the gate. She was at home. She was doing all the things. (laughs) So are you. We know we see you. You're a baller, too. But that's not actually at all what God calls his people to in this chapter. He doesn't call them to change their plans and follow his list. He didn't call them to do that at all. I want you to watch what God does call because the Bible says that God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he is in the process of bringing his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. And he's asked you and I to just, listen to me, simply join him In the renewal of all things. He didn't ask us to step in and renew all things, did he? No, no. He's already doing that and he's given you a gift and a call and a purpose to fill. And we want to help you find that. But prior to that, he's doing something. Look at chapter 30, verse 15. For thus says the Lord, the Holy One of Israel, in case you were wondering who has the authority. Listen to this. In returning and what? Can you see it? In returning and what? Rest. You shall be saved. In returning to rest, you shall be saved. Look at the, look at the next verse. This is, this one's for the moms. You get it today. Dads, you gotta make sure this happens. In what? Quietness. In quietness and in trust shall be your what? That is not the message you're being given at work. That's not the message you're being given on YouTube. That's not the message you've been given on TikTok. That's not the message you're given on Netflix. That is not the message of the world that we live in. Look at what he says in returning and rest. You shall be saved in quietness and in trust shall be your strength. But you were unwilling. 
I think many of us are unwilling to trust God. To trust Him. To take Him at His word. To trust Him that you can Sabbath. To trust Him that you can do the things that He's called you to do. And in reality, we do things, a lot of things, in in the idea that we're going to do them for God and we're going to make things better. And in reality, God says, I am willing to do all of the things if you'd be willing to return to me and rest, if you'd be willing to return to me in stillness, in quietness and trust, and I'll give you strength. See, because what God's not trying to do is tell you not to exercise your gift. God's not telling you to not do things that are going to make your life better. God's not telling you to not invest in somebody else's life. In fact, we're going to call you the complete opposite. But what I do know is if you step into what God has called you to do without God, you are not going to make it. See, because it says in the quietness you'll be saved. Why? Because he wants to be your strength. He wants you to join him in doing his work for the rest of your life and you won't burn out doing it. So important. God's called you to parent. God's called you to be a spouse. God's called you to work. God's called you to do all these different things, but he never asked you to do that by yourself. So important. Look, look what he keeps on going here. Verse 18 says, therefore, the Lord waits to be gracious to you. And therefore, he exalts himself to show mercy to you. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all those who what? Wait for him. Verse 19, for a people shall dwell in Zion in Jerusalem. You shall weep no more. He will surely be gracious to you at the sound of your cry. As soon as he hears it, he answers you. And though the Lord give you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction. Now, wait a minute. The Lord gave that? I told you a couple of weeks ago, I'm not a devil behind every rock. I'm just a devil behind every other rock. And this is why. Because there are times where God, God's going to give you the bread of adversity. God's going to give you the water of affliction. Now, isn't it interesting that he talks about bread and water here? In the Old Testament, nonetheless. Who's the bread? What did we learn last week? Who said, I am the bread of life? Who is that? Come on, class. You can get this one right, I promise. There's only one answer. Jesus is the bread of life, right? So why would God say, I'm going to give you the bread of adversity? He's going to give you the bread of adversity so that you will turn and seek the bread of life. Right? Why do you say I'm going to give you the water of affliction? Because it's in what that you'll be reminded that you were saved. Baptism. Right? None of these things are lost on the Lord. That he's actually pointed in a direction. Look at verse 20. We're back to 19. As soon as he hears it, your cry, he answers you. And though the Lord give you the bread of adversity and water of affliction, yet your teacher will not hide himself anymore, but your eyes shall see your teacher. And then we cover all that just to get to the stunning promise of verse 21. We go through all of that to set the tone, to set the context for the stunning promise that God makes to his people in verse 21. You listening? And your ears shall hear a word behind you. God's got your back. And your ears 
shall hear a word behind you saying, this is the way. Walk in it. When when you turn to the right or when you turn to the left. This is the way. Walk in it. Here's what I do know about the human experience. And here's what I do know from having conversations with a lot of you. Here's what I do know from walking with Jesus myself. There are a lot of days that I'm not sure what to do. Anybody ever feel like that? You ever feel like you just don't know what to do? I felt like that this morning. (laughs) Felt like that yesterday. I felt like that on Friday. Felt like that on Thursday. Sometimes when you ask me what you should do, I go, I'm not sure what you should do. But here's what I do know. You want to talk about being a parent? I have no idea what to do. (laughs) Class is coming. Not from me. Here's what I do know. The same God who said to his people, I'm going to be right, I'm going to be right behind you. This is the way. Walk in it. The question here was, his people were unwilling to trust him. And I don't think that was like, a, God, I'm not going to follow you because I don't, I don't think you're worthy. It wasn't a God, I'm, I don't think it was like that. For some people it was, but I think for a lot of people it was, I've built some idols in my life that I trust more than I trust the Lord. And that just depends on your personality, what kind of idol you would build. Because we don't have time to go there, but the rest of the chapter, talk, God talks about tearing down the idols that you've built. So I don't know, I don't know what that is for you as a mom, as a dad, as a student. I don't know. But what I do know is that we are really skilled idol builders. And we've got to get to the point where we can name them an idol. Even if they're the ones that provide for you. Even if they're the ones that make you feel okay. Even if it's the ones that give you surety. Stability. And come back to this place because what does this... If you were to just pull out the key words here and say, what is God asking? What is God offering? What is God giving? What is God suggesting? The way of the Father is this. And I want this to be on the screen for you because I want you to see it. I want you to think about it because these are the words that come straight out of the text. The way of the Father is this. Rest, quiet, trust, and waiting. The four words I hate the most. (laughs) And if you're type A, you're like, bro. This is the wrong sermon for me. But God's, why is God saying that? So that you can join Him in the renewal of all things. How much more could you do if God was guiding you? How many more people could you affect if God was guiding you? How much more at peace would your soul be if you stepped into Monday rested Quiet, trusting, waiting for God to move. What would that look like? It would probably look like productivity, wouldn't it? Waiting for what? That's what Camden would ask me if she was sitting here. 
So that's great. <laughs> what am I waiting for? <laughs> waiting for what? The quiet whisper of God behind you saying, this is the way. Walk in it. When we do 21 days of prayer and we have another one coming up soon, we always say we want to pray first, right? We want prayer to be our first response, not our last resort. And that's not just a cliche. It's what we actually aspire to be. Why? Because we actually believe that there's a God behind you whispering in your ear. This is the way walk in it. When you turn to the left or you turn to the right, this is the way walk in it. But how many of us are so busy and there's so much noise that we can't hear the whisper? Like I do, like I I think about all these different women in scripture who did amazing things. I think of Hannah, a mother in quiet desperation, pouring out her soul before the Lord for a child. Over and over and over again to the point that Eli, the priest, thought she was drunk. And she says, I'm not drunk. I'm simply pouring out my spirit before the Lord. I'm waiting for the Lord. And he delivered. I think of the prophetess Deborah who was trusting the Lord and had and stepped up and led a nation, an entire nation. I think of Eunice and Lois, a mother And a grandmother who simply faithfully taught the word to their grandson, to their son, Timothy, who would go on to pastor a church we still read about today in Ephesus. I think of Lydia, a respected businesswoman, using the nine to five workday grind to fund missions around the world through Paul. Lydia, the seller of purple. The Proverbs 31 woman, a baller who I clearly mentioned earlier, trusting God with her work at home and in the marketplace, wearing multiple hats like many of you. So many women in scripture leading significant movements of God, breaking into our time and space. And yet where and how do I hear the whisper of God? I want that voice behind me. Why do I say there's so much noise that you often cannot hear the whisper? Because I think even in 1 Kings 19, there's the story of Elijah, who had just come off Mount Carmel. You know the Mount Carmel story? Where he goes up the mountain, and he has, he himself and I, in front of an altar that he's covered in water, and dug a ditch around, and filled with water. And then on the other side of the mountain top is all the prophets of Baal, tons of them, and they don't have their altar covered in water. And they are having a good old-fashioned contest. And as the story goes, they work all day, all night, to get their false god to answer their prayers. And of course, they don't. And Elijah talks a little trash. He says, I don't know where to go. Do you go to the bathroom? Right? Where's he at? Is he taking a nap? Bail taking a nap. So for those of you who play sports, Jerome, it's totally fine to talk trash. That's probably not true. It's probably not what Jesus would do. He's like, that's not true. <laughs> but then Elijah gets up and prays. He says, the one true and living God sent fire from heaven. And God, just, just think about it. God sends fire from heaven. That eats up the water, burns up the stones, burns up the sacrifice. And then 
Elijah chases the prophets down the mountain and he kills them all. You're like, wow, that took a hard left. (laughs) Here's what's crazy. And this is life. He comes from that experience. Think about that. One dude, lots of other false prophets. They watch that experience of God himself sending fire from heaven to devour all of the sacrifices. Still one dude, Elijah chases them down, slaughters the false prophets. And then just the next story. In 1 Kings 19, Elijah is running and hiding from Jezebel, a bad woman. What happened? How did we go from Mount Carmel to I'm hiding? Life. Elijah didn't know what to do. But here's what's so fascinating about that. I think life can get like that. And then you come to 1 Kings 19 and that, that's what's happening. And when you look at the first couple of verses of 1 Kings 19, it'll be on the screen for you. It says that Ahab, the king, told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, may the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. I'm going to kill you. And then look at verse 3. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. This is life. You see, if, if, you, if you are struggling to trust God right now, if you're struggling to see God and hear from God, if I was to come to you and you've been following Jesus for any length of time and I was to say to you, do you ever feel like you heard God before? You'd say yes. Have you ever seen God move on your behalf before? You'd say yes. Then what are you struggling with? I'm afraid. I don't know what to do. And there, here's Elijah. He goes from that mountaintop experience and now he's hiding. He came to a bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. That's where he's at. I've had enough, Lord. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. And then he laid down under the bush and fell asleep. Sometimes you just need a good nap and everything gets better. Can I get an amen in church? This afternoon. All at once, look at this, all at once an angel touches him. Because, what do we read in Romans 8? We are not just of the spirit of the flesh. There's more to it. It says, get up and eat. Can I, a nap fixes most problems and a snack fixes the rest. He looked around and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals in a jar of water. And he ate and drank and then lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time, touched him and said, get up and eat for the journey is too much for you. Christian, mom, dad, businessman, businesswoman, the journey is too much for you. Get up and eat and drink. Eat and drink what? What did Jesus say last week? You're going to have to eat my flesh and drink my blood. Your sustenance will come from the King of Kings and only the King of Kings. He said, I am the bread of life. The same thing's happening for Elijah in real time. 
the journey's too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank. Strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There he went into a cave and spent the night. And now listen to this. Listen to what happens here. And the word of the Lord came to him. Elijah, what are you doing here? (laughs) Wait a minute. You fed him. You gave him a nap. Then you fed him again. And then he traveled. God never told him to travel. God never told him to travel. God never told him to leave. God was not done with him where he was. See, sometimes when your kids are two or three or your job is stagnant or you don't. God's not done. Elijah, what are you doing here? He replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars and put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left. (laughs) Was he the only one left? No. Do you ever feel like you're the only one left? You ever feel like you're the only one who understands? Yeah. If you walk into middle school, you feel like the only one. Walk into high school or college as a freshman, I'm the only one. Walk into a new job, I'm the only one. I don't know what to do. And now they are trying to kill me too. So the Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord. For the Lord is about to pass by. Now set that scene in your head. Elijah's having a pity party. God's not interested, but he's gracious, right? We just read that in Isaiah. So he says, Elijah, what are you doing here? I'm having a pity party, Lord. <laughs> leave me alone. <laughs> but don't leave me alone, because leave me alone means pursue me. Look at this. Go out and stand On the mountain in the presence of the Lord. For the Lord's about to pass by. Now look what happens. Then a great and powerful wind. Tore the mountains apart. That's a tornado. Okay. A great and powerful wind. Tore the mountains apart. And shattered the rocks before the Lord. But look at this. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind there was an earthquake. What's this say? The Lord was not in the earthquake. Verse 12, after the earthquake, earthquake came a fire. But what? The Lord was not in the fire. And here it is. You tracking with me? And after the fire came a what? A gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out. And stood at the mouth of the cave. And the voice said to him. Elijah. What are you doing here? (laughs) Listen this is life. You are going to get up on certain days. And it's going to feel like you need to hop into the tornado. You're going to get up on another day. And it's going to feel like. The world's crumbling beneath your feet. You're going to get up another day and it's going to feel like your world is a dumpster fire. And it might be. But what does the text say? That God was not in any of those things. God 
was in a gentle whisper behind him. Elijah, what are you doing here? This is the way. Walk in it. We don't have time to go through the rest of the story, but basically Elijah says the same thing. He has the same pity party after experiencing God. Same thing. Just kill me. (laughs) And in verse 15, it's not on the screen. God just says to him, go back the way you came. Go back the same way you came. You know what the New Testament says? It says that you should continue to walk with Christ in the same way that you came to Christ. Bible says the joy of the Lord is your salvation. What is the way back to peace? The gentle whisper of God. The gentle whisper of God. And so today, I just want to invite you. I'm going to have the band come up and just play over you. Sometimes we don't need a huge next step. We don't need 17 things to do because you're a mom. You already have 17 things to do. Or you're at work or you're at school. or you, we, No, no, no. He wasn't in the wind. He wasn't in the earthquake. He wasn't in the fire. The invitation to you is what? Rest, quiet, trust, and wait. In the gentle whisper, this is the way, walk in it. I believe every one of us has something that we need God to tell us what to do. But I think you might be, like me, guilty of looking for it in the wind. Looking for it in the fire. Looking for it in the earthquake. Making another plan, making another list, doing another thing, making another phone. God was not in the wind. I think some of you, maybe all of you, need to hear from God. And because we don't live just in the spirit of the flesh or the realm of the flesh, we live in the realm of the spirit, you can hear from God. You can actually hear from God. But make no mistake, it's usually a gentle whisper because he's got your back. This is the way. Walk in it. So today, I just, I'm going to invite you to stand here in a second. And I'm going to invite you to listen. I'm going to invite you to listen. There's a whole mode of prayer. We've been studying prayer in city groups, and it's been great. There's a whole mode of prayer called listening prayer. Where we just stop talking. And we start listening. Sometimes that's in form of his word, but we just read his word. I want to invite you, when you stand here and you listen to these words of this song again, I want to invite you to listen to the gentle whisper of God. What's he saying to you? What's he calling you to? What's he asking you to step forward to? Maybe he's saying to you, 
Go back the way you came. Go back the way you came. I wasn't done yet. I want you to be faithful. (laughs) I'll handle everything else. I want you to be faithful. I want you to be faithful with, with the gifts that I've given to you. And see if I won't throw open the floodgates of heaven. And come down. So why don't you stand with me? If you need to sit, that's totally fine. And pray. We won't call you to the principal's office if you don't follow directions. But I just believe that on a day like today, Mother's Day, we can get lost in expectations. And God's just inviting you, as he says in another scripture, to be still and know that he is God. The gentle whisper. So as you listen to this music, and then as Kevin sings, I just want to invite you to listen. Just let it wash over you. Listen for that gentle whisper. If we can serve you in any way, you can scan that QR code down at the bottom. It'll say, email us a prayer request. You can click on that. We would love to serve you in any way that we can. If you need to pray with somebody now, anybody around you would be more than happy to pray with you. You can send us an email. You can come up front. I'd love to pray with you. Jerome's at the back. Pastor Tim's at the back. We'd love to pray with you. When the service ends, if you'd like to pray, we'd love to pray with you. If you're online, just shoot us an email. We want to serve you in any way that we can. But let's just take two minutes, three minutes, and listen for the whisper of God.